Hello, and welcome to Quadrivia, the podcast that takes you a step beyond trivia and into the minds of people who craft it. I'm Brittany, a.k.a. Ginny Pond of Ginny's Cozy Quiz on Twitch, as well as a host for Liquid Courage Entertainment. I'm Aaron with Trivia Smash and Fargo, Trivia Hub around the world, and wherever fine trivia is crafted. Uh, I'm Jeremy. I am with Brain Mash Trivia. Uh, formerly uh, in Chicago, Illinois, and we are still running things up there, but I have relocated to Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm trying to get things started in the South. So uh, hopefully Brain Bash Trivia South coming to you soon. And I'm James Key, the trivia nerd from here in Louisville, Kentucky. And welcome everybody to episode 66 of Quadrivia. How is everybody doing tonight? Excellent. 600 more episodes to I'm go. doing pretty well. All right. Good small talk, everybody. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> no yeah, and I mean, break. Uh, well, and... <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, I am not familiar much with who this Jeremy is. So, um, Jeremy, uh, it's good to meet you. And why don't you tell us a little bit more about your trivia so that I can, I and our listeners can learn more about you. A- absolutely. Um I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a loud guy. Uh, I started doing trivia in Chicago about 12 years ago or so, one night a week at Joe's on Weed Street, which if you were at uh, Geek Bowl last year and you went to the Trivia Triathlon is where that was held. Um, one night a week became two, became three. I then started branding what I do and getting other people to host the questions that I was writing and doing private and corporate events and got kind of enmeshed in this whole world of trivia, going to trivia conferences, getting on game shows and so forth. Uh, when the pandemic hit last year, I was, I think I was kind of one of the first to, to go uh, online with like live games and, and those were going really well for a while. And then when the whole world started to fall apart last summer, I kind of took an indefinite hiatus, which uh, I've still been doing a lot of like uh, private corporate uh, virtual events and, uh, I started to go back to doing live events, but I haven't been keeping up with the live games, really mostly because I'm kind of technically a moron and don't really know how to put together a really good live show sometimes with a stream. And uh, you guys always make it look so easy, and 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 I'm always like, wow, why can't I do that? But you know, uh, I'm I'm good at uh, you know making people laugh and and having some fun with some trivia usually, so I stick to that and. Uh, that's what I'm doing. I don't know. If you have any other questions for me, please, by all means, ask. And if you know of any places in Georgia that want live trivia, I really need to start getting out there and hosting some live games again, because I'm jonesing for it. Well, I'll tell you what, I do have a question for you. You mentioned that you want to get on game shows or you have gotten on game shows. Yes. Yeah. I'm a big game show fanboy. Tell me more about that. Well, you were, uh, you were on that small one, little known called the Chase recently, right? That well, that small, well, small time so, one. So I was on uh, my first game show ever was uh, one called Cash Cab, but it was Cash Cab Chicago, and I mean I've been trying to get on game shows for years, but I didn't get cast on one until they did Cash Cab in Chicago. I did that. Uh, darn you, Hydrox Cookies! If I'd have known or remembered those. Could have won some money. Instead, I went home penniless. Uh, then I did get on a little game show called The Chase, but it was a few years ago when it was on Game Show Network, and it was just The Beast. And I'd rather not talk about it because let's just say it was not my finest trivia moment. Uh, I, I I played horribly. It was a it was just a 
a really kind of rough shot day. But then uh, a couple of years ago, I had the good fortune to uh, be somebody's plus one on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Hello, Liz Fritz. Uh, and because I was her plus one, they let me take the test and they said, we liked you on the show. We want you to come back and tape your own episode. And I got to do that. And, uh, I fortunately got to walk away with 50 grand. So that was really awesome with Chris Harrison hosting. And now, you know, I'm still trying to live out that Jeopardy dream. Uh, but you know, who knows when and if that'll happen, but you, you know, you got to keep trying. So Man. Or Pyramid or anybody else wants to put me on. I'm, I'm good with that, too. I'll, you know. Yeah, I am terribly, I don't know if, I'm never sure if it's jealousy or envy that I have. I think it's a little of both, probably. Uh, I was on one game show, uh, Wheel of Fortune, around 11 years ago. And that's my claim to fame. I did get to uh, go to the bonus round, and I won. Nice. So right. that's, you know, hey, I feel like if I'm going to get on a game show, I really had better be good enough to win it. Although... Pyramid you know and Pressure Luck, feel, I feel like they're calling my names. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, though, and, and I think anybody who's been on a game show knows this. The hoops you have to go through just to get on, usually you have to take, you know, multiple tests. You have to prove your mettle. Um, you know, like the you, these people that go on Jeopardy and they, don't, they end up in the red and they don't get to play Final Jeopardy and you have a, a lot of people in social media will be like, oh, that guy was awful or I can't believe that person was on and they're so dumb and... No, I guarantee you, everybody who gets through all of the processes that you have to go through to get on Jeopardy is somebody who could beat most bars full of people at like a regular pub trivia. Um, but, you know, sometimes you, you topics aren't to your liking. You have a bad day on the buzzer. You didn't sleep well. There's all sorts of reasons you might come off not looking like the sharpest tool in the shed. Uh, but I have a lot of respect you know, one thing you said in there was that people who make it on Jeopardy uh, could probably destroy an entire bar, uh, you know, depending on what the topic is. And speaking of topics and not well-crafted segues, our topic for the roundtable this week is uh, kind of a return back to specialist and theme games, which are very topiced. Um, and for those of you having a sense of deja vu right now. Yeah, we did. We have talked about this previously or other hosts did uh, back in episodes eight and 11. Uh, if you're scrolling through your podcast feeds. Uh, well, that seems like a long time ago. I think it's time to revisit it. Oh, yeah. yeah, this is episode 66. I think we're due for a, uh, yeah. oh, what do they call it? A reboot? I think and, we're due for and, a reboot. And it's always nice, I think, to hear different perspectives, right? Because I don't think any of us mm -hmm. were on those episodes. So you get to... You know, um, I was I think I was an early adopter of uh, doing theme nights uh, back in Chicago. I was uh, so I've I've I've, I've kind of become known for my theme nights. Let's uh, well, as someone who's played both your not themed brain bash trivia and also your theme games online. Yeah, I can say that you've done quite a bit of that. Yeah. Because I actually used to jump into your uh, games back when you were running them on Facebook oh, in the early right. days. Yeah, I should really do uh, that the again. lockdown. So you had a Disney-themed game once that uh, yep. I, I distinctly remember, and there yeah. were some questions. I was like, oh, I don't know this one. Yeah, which Disney is... is definitely in the, the upper echelon of, of, of themes that I repeat uh my big one's Friends is my all-time favorite show, and it just kills usually in terms of at bars or virtually. 
I mean, I've I've had a hundred plus teams playing friends trivia, and there's always there's there's other stuff that's in that you know universe, The Office, Harry Potter, uh, you know, there's uh, and then there's the stuff you know, it's like there's tiers of like The Office and Friends and Harry Potter are like the big ones that I think at least it used to be in the before times. I could say I'm going to do any one of those trivia nights, and in a week I could probably get a bar full of teams coming out to play them. You know, whereas something like Boy Meets World is a little bit more niche, where if you have enough advertising, you'll get people out there, but you can't just do that. Like Friends, I would do literally every month. I'd do at least one Friends trivia night, and it would be I I wouldn't run I wouldn't repeat a question for a year. You know, um, just because well I'm a little bit obsessive with that show. So. I mean, you made a good point there. Uh, I personally have only hosted one public theme event, and it was Star Wars for May the 4th of this year. Uh, and we had a pretty good turnout, but, you know, it is something that's definitely more mainstream as a um, as a theme. Uh, James or Aaron, have either of you experienced hosting theme games either in, like, a niche versus well-known? Yeah. Um, every year sands this past one uh and i think this one as well uh but the louisville arcade expo something that comes to town every year uh, it is classic video games consoles pinball etc uh, and i said to one of the organizers what about having a pub quiz type of an event at first i thought about having a jeopardy type event uh, but then I, I was like, well, that's only going to get you three people up there at a time. And it might be fun for some people to watch, but I want something that's going to be where everybody's involved. And I thought, well, let's do the pub quiz. That's going to be the best way to get a lot of people playing. And I have done quizzes for uh, around six or seven years that are all centric on video games. Now, being that this is a classic arcade expo, I thought, well, let's gear everything towards some of those older things, 80s and 90s. And it was quite surprising to hear a lot of people saying they want a lot of modern questions. And although I'm peripherally still into gaming, I, I'm not an expert. So, But that's what you have to do sometimes when you have a, a themed game, is you have to even put yourself a little bit outside of your own comfort zone. I mean... Uh, I, I might want to ask uh, Jeremy in a second about like friends and, and where he wanted to go with that. Like if he's had to do research on it, but I don't want to leave Aaron out. So uh, let you take Aaron's shot at uh, what he's done. Oh, I've run, <clears throat> excuse me. I've run several themed games uh, with another company that I've worked for in the past, run a couple of my own, the one problem with themed games uh, is I know a couple companies in the area that I work for, there will be locations that do strictly theme games, not like a one-off sort of thing, but we'll do theme game after theme game at the same bar every single week. And another places and other places with those companies that will do uh, just your general trivia, just general trivia as it goes. And you tend to hear from people that, well, general trivia gets good attendance, but, oh, did you see the numbers? Like Jeremy brought up, 100 people at a friend's event. But you bring up the Boy Meets World, and you get, like, <laughs> I don't know, 
Well, yeah, you get you, you could get you could get twenty people if you you know maybe not even that. Yeah, twenty um, and, and twenty people, not even yeah, not, not even, even full teams. teams. You know, it's just it's, um and and it's really interesting because like when it, like and I've had bars. So Joe's on Weed Street, where I mentioned Trivia Triathlon was. Uh, they were a bar that they were one of my the reason the triathlon was there was because that was one of my bars. I did trivia every week, but they only wanted to do themes. So every week it was a theme. And like every few months, the general manager and I would email back and forth like, here's what we're thinking for the schedule for the next. And it was like we always had like friends the last week of the month, but we always had like the office and Harry Potter every like two months. And uh, there was other stuff. Um, but every now and then, you know, they'll throw one out there. I'll throw one out there and we don't know how it's going to be received. Um, I know like, so you, you know, these sitcoms are sitcoms are great for theme nights. Cause one, a lot of them are full of pop culture references where you can make like really good trivia questions. Uh, two sitcoms are shows that people binge watch and watch over and over again. Right. Like people that love friends, they watch it, but they've watched every episode multiple times. When they're going to bed at night, they'll turn on Nick at night or they'll stream whatever episodes of Friends or if they're cleaning up. So it's it's on all the time and they're always watching it and there's it sticks in your mind. Whereas a show like Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, however great the shows are and however like rabid the fan bases are, people don't rewatch those shows with the same kind of passion, right? Like Breaking Bad, I think, is the best TV show that maybe has ever been out there start to finish in the history of television. And I, I watched every episode on the edge of my seat and I loved it. But it's like I don't feel the need to go back and rewatch it again because it, it doesn't make me laugh and I know what's going to happen. So I'm not in suspense anymore. So as brilliant as it is, it loses something. Whereas, you know, as dumb and dorky as Chandler and Phoebe and Joey may be. I'll get a cheap laugh every time I watch an episode because I love that show. So, you know, it, it's it's interesting. The one that shocked me is I've tried three times to do the Big Bang Theory trivia. And that show was the number one comedy on TV for a number of years. It was on forever. It is full of pop culture, nerdy references. I never got more than five teams at a Big Bang Theory trivia night. And I'd get a hundred teams at a friend's trivia night. I, I, I could not believe that there was that much of a discrepancy between the two shows, but there was. You know, what are you gonna do? And I think that's good. I think that's kind of another problem with the theme nights. Personally, uh, I know, I know. Uh, James had said it earlier. You kind of have to bite the bullet on it sometimes. I personally am not a huge fan of theme nights. Again, just personal opinion. Because you're always scrambling trying to find that next big theme. You're always having to kind of I mean, there's always the fallback positions, but the problem with the fall the problem with those fallbacks, those always go to sorts of things is how long until you actually run out of material to use? Well, it, how much yeah. how it, many more times? And that's depends. the problem with friends. I mean, friends was on for ten years. Yeah. But depends how creative you get. It depends, you know, like uh, how like in, and it's, it's, so it's like, I totally, I love theme nights and I hate them too. And I love them like years ago before anybody was doing like before even geeks who drink, I think was doing theme nights. I started doing them. And, uh, the first one I ever did was a Harry Potter theme night. And the reason I did it was because I used, I'd been doing my weekly trivia for 12 years 
And one of the things I used to do when I first started out was the bar gave out prizes for first, second, and third. So I let the fourth place team pick a round for the next week's trivia. Whatever they wanted, they could pick it. And one week I had a team that picked friends as their round for trivia. And I love friends. So I thought, that's great. I'll, I'll do a friends trivia round. But then I thought, what if there's people that don't know friends that come into the bar? Like, what are they going to think of this round of this TV show? So I made it like tangentially about friends where like I asked about like David Schwimmer's movie career. And I asked about like uh, stuff that maybe like wasn't as much to do with the show friends as it was to do about the characters or the actors or something, you know, and the people that requested the round were like mad at me. They were like angry that like, like we wanted friends. You didn't ask, like you asked like one question about the show. And I realized I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should do like a night of friends trivia. And then like I decided, so the first one I did, I did Harry Potter and the bar was packed and it was, it, we did it because it was in October. It was near Halloween and, you know, people came in costumes and it was just insane. And I thought, well, the bar was like, okay, we got to do another one of these. And I said, well, let's do friends. And then we did Seinfeld and then it became like, okay, I don't want to do these every week, but the bars, you know, the bar likes the business, right? They like when the ring is big at the end of the night. And the thing is, uh, you know, as Aaron was saying, the theme nights may bring in a rabid team here and there, but if you hit a, if you hit a road bump and you pick a wrong theme, you're going to be like, eh. whereas a regular trivia night, you know, if you run a successful regular trivia night, you'll get 20 plus teams a week, every week. Right. And it's like, if you then do a theme night, you alienate those regular teams and maybe they stop coming into the weekly show. So I think you have to be like, sometimes if you're going to do a theme, maybe like if your regular trivia nights, Wednesday night, do like, Hey, we're going to do a Friday night theme night or a Monday night theme night and just add a second night of the week or make sure you advertise it in advance. So your regulars know like next week, it's going to be all this. Um, I have done at like a regular night, like a, a round of trivia where I'll theme it to a show, but I will make it accessible to people who have never seen the show. Right. So like if I were to write a question about friends and I write a question, I might ask a question about like days of our lives, which Joey Tribbiani, you know, had a role on days of our lives. And I might add, you know, like he was a, a brain surgeon. So I might ask a question where like, if you know what kind of surgeon Joey Tribbiani was at days of our lives, put it down. Otherwise, what kind of surgeon would deal with this? Um, and uh, let's, yeah, I, 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 you know, so that's, uh, I think maybe a good way to transition into talking about how to write theme games is because like, do you write yeah, the games? I was going to say, and there you mentioned, you know, you try to write some questions in there for people who have never seen the show. Uh, but I guess from my thought process is if you're writing a theme game and it's advertised and advances a theme game, do you have to worry about teams who maybe have never seen Friends, if it's a Friends night, or have never read Harry Potter, if it's a Harry Potter night. You should. Um, so, yeah. So, f for example, uh, the Star Wars game that um, I wrote most of for May the 4th this year, you know, um, and actually Aaron helped write part of the game, too, is we had talked about, you know, well, what kind of difficulty do we need to gauge, you know, because it's like you're probably going to get some diehard fans in there. 
but you're also going to get some people who are a bit more casual fans. Um, and you know, you're going to get some people who are fans of just the original trilogy and they don't, don't even talk to them about the other stuff. And sure. then you're going to get people get yeah. that maybe love the expanded and they're like, we mm-hmm. want some like Thrawn trilogy, Timothy Zahn questions. And we want some questions about the action figures and all the, like the Ewok adventure and the holiday special and all that good stuff that, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a great, like, how do you guys do that? Like when you write a theme game, are you writing a game for the rabid fan? Are you writing it for the casual fan? Are you trying to mix and match? Are you, uh, when you do something like star Wars, how do you decide where you're going to, or video games for that matter? Um, if you're doing a video game, and you want to go old school, or do you do all Atari, all Nintendo? All, do you? What do you do? How do you decide? For me, I um, think oh, you, you go. Go man. ahead, James. No, Aaron, you're up. I just <laughs> all I was gonna say is, for me, you have to have just a wide net when you're asking the questions. You do need to have, you know, a few really obscure questions in there. Because you're going to have those people that are absolutely fanatic about that source. But you're also going to have the people that are kind of like, well, a friend invited me, so I just kind of want to play along. And then when you get them in, you ask those kind of easier questions to start, and they start feeling better about themselves. They start feeling like they're more connected to the game. So I feel like you need to have a very wide scope when you're asking the questions. Easy to hard everything in between and as jeremy brought up earlier about casting not only just tangentially two questions as well you need to have things that are about it but only just slightly about your topic material as well well i think that's that's interesting because that i think is it depends on the crowd you're dealing with like my theme games got to the point where if i did the tangential stuff they'd boo me out of the bar right they don't want a question about a David Schwimmer movie, they want a question about friends and about Ross. Right. So it's like, I don't know. It depends. You got to know your crowd. I think too. That's a, that's a huge part of doing a theme game is knowing your crowd. And to that end, we've done shows when I've helped my friend out with stuff, you know, you've got the big hitters. I think we've all talked about them before, but one that flew well for us, Gilmore girls. Ooh, yes. And those are some fanatics about their material. And they want, but they know, and the one show that I that I helped with, but they know everything. Not only do they know about Lorelai, Rory, about Stars Hollow, they also know about all of the actors, all of the, everyone who's done work outside of there. They know things about the creators of the show and other things they've worked on. So, I mean, it's not just those kinds of shows where it starts becoming a little bit more niche. Those are the shows where people know everything about everything and then some. Yeah. Gilmore girls is a great example. I, uh, I never watched that show. And when I started doing theme nights, I got, that was the show that kept getting requested. And I kept going, I'm not going to do Gilmore. I'm a, I'm a boy. I don't like Gilmore girls. What do you do now? And then I watched it. And from the first episode, I was like, this is one of the best written shows I've ever seen. And I loved it. I binged watched it. I did a Gilmore girls theme night and it killed. 
And then I went to another bar. They're like, what should we do? I'm like, do Gilmore Girls. And the guy like that was the manager was like, no. I'm like, I'm telling you, do Gilmore Girls. Finally, they listened to me and they did it. It was the busiest night they ever had. It was ridiculous. Gilmore Girls is awesome, by the way. If you haven't watched it, watch it. <laughs> Look, I mean, I know you said people know all about the actors, but let's be real. The only one that matters is Sean Gunn. <laughs> I met him once. He is hysterical. And by the way, fellow Cardinals fan, go Cardinals. Told you I was going to work it in, Brittany. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's unfortunate Jeremy has to drop out of the podcast at this moment, <laughs> and we won't be able to have him on. Um, but uh, James, I think you were... You know, speaking well, to yeah, writing for games a few different things i mean um when you talk about a tv show that has a, a pretty big database of information now if you take a single movie it, it might be possible to have a gosh i'm trying to think you know it's like what would be a good single movie let's mean say the girls had, a mean girls night could you have a mean girls night is there yes enough, you can <laughs> you know to do that i think there is but you might be hard pressed to stretch it into two or three nights in the future now you take something that's a series let's take the terminator series the star wars series the harry potter series the view askew clerk series those kinds of things where you've got a lot more material and then you can go another exponential tier up and you can say well let's have a video game night i mean the amount of information that video games encompasses makes it interesting for me to write games you all were talking about what kind of difficulty do you write for i take the same approach as when i'm writing for one of those big charity trivia nights um there are going to be teams that out of 100 questions some of them will score in the high 90s and some of them will score in the low 30s. And we're talking about just general knowledge. You know, yeah, there's going to be some niche categories here and there in there. But you got to write for those super smart people. Because if you don't put some stumper type questions in there, it's it's not going to everybody. You're going to just have a bunch of people rising to the top and getting perfect scores or near perfect scores. I know that that's going to make it difficult for some of those casual players now. Uh, places like charity nights though you got people that are just there to drink or, or have fun and com camaraderie that's even a weekly trivia thing you're probably going to find teams that you have where they really don't care if they win or not they're just having a good time with friends and answering some questions if you're going to a themed night though you're specifically going for your gilmore girls trivia you're probably going to find a lot of those teams that really know their shit and it is going to be something where if you don't write some obscure stuff, you're just going to get a lot of, of angry fan nerds that are going to say, why aren't you giving us the hard stuff? Or uh, you mentioned tangentials, you know, I, I think that tangentials are important. I don't think they should be the meat of the game if you're having an entire theme night. But I think it's fair, if not necessary, to have some of that in there. I think that, you know, the the stars, they have more to them than just the theme night. And I think that people who are super fans of any show or movie series are probably going to know more about it than just 
that capsule of information, and I think it's good to reward them. And you know what? If nobody knows that stuff, that's what you're there for. You are the host there to give people a learning experience as well, because every question that a person gets wrong hopefully is something that they will store away and remember for later. Well, that's another interesting point, though, right, is because I think one of the things that makes a theme night really, really successful is when the host is also into whatever the topic is, right? Like if you go, if, you know, I, again, I love Friends. I love Gilmore Girls. When I run those theme nights, that comes across. I'm not just asking the question. I can give a little flavor text, you know, when I'm going over the answers. I can, when somebody comes up to me to argue the little pedantic point of why it's this and not this and why am I, I'm like, no, it was this because this is, you know, and it's, um, you know, like for instance, in the office, uh, and I'm going to screw this up, but there is an episode where the party planning committee is planning a party and Angela uh doesn't like the color green because it's whorish and then there's another episode where she doesn't like the color orange because it's whorish and i specifically asked in this episode which color is it that you know and somebody said no 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 it was orange not green. i'm like no that was in episode blah i asked about episode blah you know and it's like then you're like like the person's like oh man you're right Ugh. and but i mean they like the the nerds appreciate like the uber nerds and i am one of those appreciate when the host knows now at the same time game of thrones was a show i couldn't stand it has all these names that are hard to pronounce too many characters i didn't know what was going on i've tried to do game of thrones trivia nights and i've tried to do them well but i feel like i'm doing a disservice to people when i do those nights because i don't appreciate the material as much as the people that are coming out and playing and i just can't delve as deep into it because i'm not interested enough to write those questions so, like, I try and not do Game of Thrones trivia. I try and not do Lord of the Rings trivia. But I'll do Friends trivia anytime you want me to, you know? And I think uh, it's better when you have a host who is super into whatever you're doing it about. And that's when you have, a, like, a bigger company where they have all these different hosts that are out there hosting and they're just sending them questions. It's kind of a crap, you know, like, it's like, man, that guy didn't even know how to pronounce Phoebe's name. You know, it's like, Phoebe Boofy, what? That's not right. It's so uh, one, a couple things that uh, James, you touched on and Jeremy, you kind of touched on too, but I'd love to dive in and get everyone's opinions on it is uh, when you run a theme game and it's catered and it's announced in advance, you're getting those uber nerds, as you call it. And as we all know, sometimes trivia attracts people who like to be a bit pedantic and a little um, actually, you know, there's there's a few here and there in that zone uh but theme games really seem to be one where you know because people are passionate about these topics that they're coming to play a theme game on they will get more defensive about their answers is there a special way and i know jeremy you already kind of talked about it from being a host who's very into the topic you're asking about and being able to defend your answers but for um the casual fan host or the host who is just putting on a game that was requested, how do you deal with the um actuallys from people who are passionate about that topic that you're asking about, the theme of the night? Boy, that's, you know, when I said that different 
themes can have different tiers of knowledge and, and that's like the amounts. When I do host the video game themed night, it's something where I'm expecting people to step up and correct me on things or say, what about this game? Or your data is not correct. I don't think that I would ever be able to encompass every bit of knowledge that I need to, to really be a 100% successful host at a video game theme night. But I do it anyway, because I feel like I have enough knowledge. And if somebody does step up to say, actually, I think that I'm well equipped enough to do the research or maybe even just to accept what they say as possibly true. Yeah, I'll do a, a Google and see if I can figure it out for myself and, and get a confirmation. Absolutely. But uh, there, there are going to be mistakes made. Um, whether it's on you know my part, their part, we're both going to say, actually, no, this is the, the right thing. And I think that a, a good host just has to be able to wear that armor and, and be able to take it. Amen th to that. Th but that that makes me want to ask any of you, have you ever had to write a theme night about something that you've never watched? Or if you've had to write a theme night that you aren't familiar with, do you watch it first? And and I'll tell you, I'm sorry to to get us away from the difficult people, we can, you know, mix that back in. But, but that, that makes me wonder about what do you do when you're given a subject or told by the bar, let's do, you know, Hey, it's uh, we're going to do cheers. What do you know about cheers? You know, oh, well, I know it's that, where everybody knows your name. Yeah. That's um, <laughs> so what do you do? But no, I, I can see where those kind of tie in together because it's, it's easy to defend against a difficult player if they're coming at you about a topic you are super familiar with that you are also passionate about. Um, now, I think the struggle there is keeping your professionalism while also defending your answer. Um, if you're getting into a passionate fan argument versus just defending a question. Um, for me, you know, um, if I was running a Harry Potter theme night, it's something that I'm very passionate about and very knowledgeable on. And I could argue with people on that but if i were to have someone say hey you know what we would really like and i'll give an example that sort of works um was a question about or was a a round requested this past week on my quiz of um a round based on the tv show the simpsons now granted we monkeys pod that and didn't ask any questions about the simpsons but had we asked questions about the simpsons that's something i've seen maybe three episodes of and if people pushed back on me, I would have to be like, hey, that's a great question. Let me take a while the next question's going, I'll look that up and I'll make a ruling. And if I need to adjust something, I'll adjust something. Um, and I think that kind of goes, I think at the point where you're not a super fan of the thing, it's kind of like any other trivia night at that point. It's something that you wrote a question about that you can do some quick research on that you may not know right off the top of your head. Uh, but cause, and I think to me, it's kind of like, if it's not something I know a whole lot about, then it's something I can just do a quick search on and make a judgment call in the moment. And it's easier to make a ruling, I think, than when it's something that I know a lot about. Um, well, and I think but that's... at the same time, um, 
for me with the Star Wars game, I did go back and just marathon all the Star Wars movies before I wrote the game. Now, partially that was just an excuse to go back and binge watch the Star Wars movies. But, you know, it also, I called it research. So, um, hey, it was. Yeah. But, and, uh, and, Aaron, and I think, by the way, you're you have the exact right attitude. And it seems like everybody here seems to be in agreement. The one thing I hate uh, and I know there's uh, the the mantra of, uh, you know, and I, I geeks who drink. I like a lot of their trivia. A lot of the people that work for them and everything are our friends. But their mantra of don't fuck with the quiz master or I know I've heard. I'm not looking for the right answer. I'm looking for the answer on my cart. No, you should always be looking for the right answer. And if you screwed the question up or whoever wrote the question for you screwed it up and somebody comes up and tells you, then yes, take a moment, look it up, see if you need to make a correction and make it. Uh, you know, and, and I've had for a lot of my theme nights, I always have teams that I know they come in religiously. I have for Harry Potter. I have this team. They would come in all the time. They're called Pet My Niffler. They were impossible to beat. It was a group of women who like loved all the books. Each one of them specialized in one of the books, right? Like they each had their book that was like their book. And if they gave me an answer that was not the answer I was looking for, I would proactively come like go up to them and be like, hey, why'd you put this down? Am I wrong here? Because this is what I have. And like I would talk to them and like most of the time they were right and I was wrong, but I occasionally did get them here and there. But I mean, like you should be willing to not you don't have to be perfect nobody has to be perfect everybody makes mistakes like it's being willing to say okay let me hear what you're saying to me yeah okay i'm sorry i screwed that up let me correct it we'll go go on from there and you know i think people for the most part will respect that now if you continually make the mistakes it becomes more problematic but you know uh most of the pedantic guys are, are pretty chill if you, you know, at least acknowledge that they have some knowledge about what they're talking about, right? And don't just, well, you're wrong because this is the answer I have and you don't get the points. Aaron, do you have any um, specific um, instances you can think of with, you said you've run several theme games where you've had those kinds of players? Uh, just nothing in specific to that, but I think uh, I think Jeremy brought up a very good point earlier with the whole uh, office reference and what colors is that you will find more often than not in themed games, you will have the pedantic players who fail to read the fucking question. Ooh, that's me. That is no, and that absolutely. But you have so because in a show like that, in shows like that, you will have specific references and specific callback references and new references that are the callbacks. And people need to pay attention to which one fits where, and they will argue you, they will fight you to the death on it. And more often than not, because they didn't pay attention to a very specific reference in the question itself, they will be hoist hoisted upon their own petard, unfortunately. Uh, they don't like it, but when you explain it to them in a very calm, rational sense, they tend to accept it more. Whereas if you do that with a general trivia player, you might actually make them more upset. 
the fans I find with the depth of their knowledge too when you explain no this is what I meant and this is what I said here oh yeah you're right never mind they are more accepting and forgiving of things that they failed upon versus you as the host failed upon what about you Brittany anything on your end uh, uh I mean like I said I I've uh, only hosted the one game and hosting online a theme game is a bit different of a monster, I guess, than would be hosting a live game because when people bring up questions about, uh, you know, when they're basically making an um, actually argument, it's it's kind of posted through the chat or somebody sends you a private message. Uh, But one thing I also like to do when I'm when I write theme games or themed questions, even if it's not a whole theme game is I kind of like to, especially if it's something I'm knowledgeable about, I kind of like to look at it from a perspective of, well, how would I, um, actually this, if I were playing this and a host asked this to me, is there a way I can break this question? And if there is nail it down. Um, if there isn't, then, you know, if I miss, misremember a fact or something when I'm writing the question, then that's just what happened. Um, but you know, it, it, it's kind of, I've written the game for the public and you know, on May the 4th, mostly your star Wars fans are just out there to have a good time. They enjoy the game. I had a couple of teams that did perfect or almost perfect on stuff. And then, you know, I had some teams that literally gave me shit post answers each time because they were just there to have a good night. And they were like, I don't know anything about Star Wars. And like their entire thing was just submitting like, I don't know, whatever the fuck this is. Or (laughs) yeah, like (laughs) what can I do to (laughs) make the host laugh? And then I was also co-hosting with Jason that night on his channel. And so, and he's seen most of the Star Wars, but not all of it. So his entire purpose was just to keep the fun rolling um, that night, so we were able to play off each other a bit. So I'm curious, um, did you do just original trilogy, or did you do all the movies? Did you go beyond the movies? Did you go animated I series? I had, so I had a round, I had five rounds. I had a round for the original trilogy, a round for the prequels, a round for the sequels, a round for kind of the extended universe, and then a round that, or like other media, and then a round that we called uh, uh, Somewhere in Another Galaxy, which all kind of talked about star wars but really had nothing to do with star wars and that tended to play better with the people who were just there to have a good time um like that you was know, that be like uh, like zach and mary make a porno and it was like a star wars themed like like with a question about that or like yeah i kind of like one thing we star talked wars. about was like in odessa there's a uh there was a statue of Vladimir Lenin that in 2015 they converted to a statue of Darth Vader. Oh, that's cool. Um, that's, an, that's a fun and, fact. Yeah, and so we asked, you know, we asked about Odessa. Um, but the best part, the best part about Darth Vader is that Darth Vader gives out free Wi-Fi. He does. Only in Odessa, you know. But I, only in Odessa. I like to think uh, in on the Death Star, they're beyond Wi-Fi at that point. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, but I've also. When I've written, you know, um, theme, like I wrote a Harry Potter theme game one time, but it was just for a head to head with a friend. So I made that one very, very deep divey. 
course, then we got to playing and then the friend let me know that she was playtesting something she was writing for her school on me. And so it was very more high level rather than deep diving. I was like, well, I wish you had told me that. I wouldn't have made yours so hard because <laughs> I thought we were just testing each other's Harry Potter knowledge. And she's like, oh, no. She's like, I'm writing a game for my fellow teachers. And I was like, oh, it's okay. It's funny. Uh, last so. spring, a guy contacted me about doing a private stream Harry Potter game for his girlfriend's birthday. And I thought, okay, they're going to have a virtual Zoom birthday party with all her friends. We'll do some Harry Potter trivia. And then I asked him like the day of, I was like, by the way, how many people do you expect to be there tonight? He's like, oh, it's just me and my girlfriend. And I was like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, no, it's just two of them. I'm like, wait, so it's just me and the two of you. And I'm going to, I'm like, okay, I, I wasn't expecting that. And it was like, uh, and so I was like, I'm just not even going to do like a game where you submit, like if you want to submit answers, you can, but I'll just, I'm like, I have years of Harry Potter questions. I'll just go through as many as you want until you're sick and tired of it and uh, continue to ask them. But it was it was surreal. It was the, the smallest event that I've ever done and probably will remain that forever because it was two people. <laughs> yeah, I, I would suppose that writing for one person will be the smallest event I ever do. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think um, I think we sort of got off topic there for a second. But uh, no, I think for me, it's like, you know, I'm a pretty decent Star Wars fan, but I won't pretend like I would have gotten 100% on my own quiz that I wrote um, if I was just a player. So, you know, if somebody had pushed back on something, I think we had one question that ended up being uh, something we had to kind of do some research on and ended up giving out some extra credit on things. Yeah, something um, like Star Wars that is bound to happen. Yeah, so it's like, and, you know, but people were also cool about if there was something, they were like, um, do you mind if you, do you mind taking a look at this? Or um, I didn't understand that question. Or, oh, I thought you were talking about this kind of thing. But one of the cool things I've noticed is that the people who will kind of point those out, like if you can defend it well, they just turn into the, huh, T-I-L people. But again, that's online. That's not in the heat of the moment somebody like getting up from their table and walking over and being like, Hey, this is why you're wrong. Here's my phone. Look why you're wrong. And you know, that's a different approach. So, um, but you know, I don't, I mean, I, know. I don't have that much experience with the hosting theme games. And I, I just hosted my first live game this past week. So beyond yeah. Um, well, hosting. and then the, uh, you know, it, it's, it's funny, the people get very, like people get angry at regular trivia when they think you've screwed up, right? But then when it's a theme game, and it's a subject that's like passionate to them, they seem to care even more, especially if they're, they're may or they think there's been a mistake. And, it, you know, it has nothing to do with like, a lot of times, you know, like if you're playing it like a geek bowl, the prize is like 10 grand. It's like, all right, now you care about the prize, right? Because it's like, a ton of money but like when you're playing at a bar and you're gonna win like a $20 gift card are you upset because of the prize or are you upset because this is like your passion and you've now been told no you're wrong you don't have the right answer or that you know um what do you guys when you do your games uh I know James and uh let's talk about the prizes right like what what it what are the prizes when you do uh I mean virtual virtual trivia I have found that they're really you don't give prizes it's just you're playing 
for fun. But when you're doing a live game, what do you think works for prizes? What do you like to see out there? What have you done in the past and so forth? Uh, well, for me, it's uh, a little specific in a way. Um, what I usually do for the Arcade Expo is I just get feet on the street and go to local businesses, uh, whether it's video game themed or not, maybe just local restaurants or what have you. And I just say, you know, what could you uh, donate uh, that we could use as a promotional prize? And if I get something that would be, you know, like eight of something, great. Then a team of eight could possibly win this. Um, I'll go to stores and look for video game paraphernalia, t-shirts and things like that. Maybe buy those up. So we're not giving away any huge cash prizes or anything, but yeah, there are prizes involved. I, I don't think that anybody at this quiz really cares one way or the other, so to speak, because it, once you're in, it's, you've paid admission. This is just an event that is there. So they don't have to pay to come in and play pub quiz at the expo. And it's really more of just a fun event. Yeah, we'll just draw for, we also draw for door prizes too. So even the people who aren't doing well, I think that's a, a good thing to keep people there is you still have a chance to win some of the cool stuff that's up here on stage. So just, you know, stick around and play and maybe we'll draw your ticket and you'll win a prize. Um, there's a, a comic book shop that has, you know, they, they do what they call, they clean out the basement for us sometimes and they'll give away some of the, uh, you know, pop figures or uh, some other figurines or grab bags anything that maybe they weren't selling very well of and uh, that people might still appreciate for a prize. So with that, I've got maybe what I would consider a unique kind of a situation where it's not, I'm at a bar and it's time for friends trivia where the top prize is $50 or hundred dollars or anything like that. Uh, so I think for me, prizes are just kind of a, a secondary thing. Uh, is it something that is, existent non-existent is it secondary or primary at your shows uh i'll talk about it from a player perspective because i've not hosted a theme night with prizes before um but i have gone to several harry potter theme trivia games with prizes before and i have seen but most most of the time it's a cash prize um like i i've done the sporkle uh, Harry Potter quizzes a couple of times and those ended up being like one of them was a hundred dollars cash prize for first prize and the other was $75 cash prize for uh, for first place um, then I went to one um, then I went to one that was at a um, place in Washington called Mox Boarding House which was a restaurant that was attached to a game store so their prizes were board games. They had they like basically brought in a copy of every Harry Potter themed board game that they sold in the store. And for the top teams, they got to pick out games and take those home as prizes. Yeah, so, I love it when. Uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, oh, I was just going to yeah. say. So that's the two experiences I've had from a theme night. And what are the prizes for those? And they uh, they've just been, you know 
uh, it's not like I think third place at both the Sporkle events was like a gift card to the bar or something. And that may have been what the prize was at Geeks Who Drink was as well was like a gift card to the bar. And then um, I think they had like a Harry Potter wand or something for the first team. Um, Although it's tough when it's like one wand and it goes to a team of six people, right? It's like right, who gets the right. wand, you know. So. Um, but no, I love it when um, we uh, when I can tie the theme into the prizes, you know, like and I've done a lot of times. Usually, I'll leave it up to the venue, the bar, whoever to to come up with the prizes. But like if we're doing a big event, especially if we're charging some sort of entrance fee, which I've done before for some theme nights. I want to try and make the prizes even cooler. Like I've done friends trivia leagues where it's like 10 weeks of nothing but friends trivia. And every week's a different season of the show. Or like I did a Harry Potter league where it was every week was a different book. And, you know, for those, there was an entrance fee and I used the money from the entrance fees to go out and buy like uh, for one of the friends things I did, everybody that played got like a little coffee mug that said, you know, uh, the one with, and then it said Brain Bash Trivia it was my company on, on the other side. And then, you know, for like Harry Potter, I gave like the winning team got wands and I got like some other Harry Potter swag. Everybody got some uh, Bernie Botts, uh, you know, flavored jelly beans, whatever. Um, for the office, I, I ordered Dundee Award replicas and the top teams got Dundee Awards. So, you know, like it, it for the fans, that's really, really cool. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Aaron, what have you done uh, prize-wise? Uh, you know, with some I of your know themes? that the, usually, again, it's a cost-prohibitive thing. I mean, even though you're doing it, like I know we give out prizes. Usually it's like, you know, bar tabs and whatnot to the top teams or whatever. But we've given out things like mustard-colored shirts to people on a, on a, uh, office night just kind of the dwight thing or you play into that as well and we've given away bags of beats yeah there you go teams that didn't, that's a good that cheap prize so that well. people have fun with right you know absolutely that's the thing prizes don't have to be expensive or insanely out there just think of source stuff from the show and use that yeah uh, uh i know a buddy of mine found some of the world's best boss mugs for really cheap nice. and gave those Very nice. prizes yeah. too um, the, uh, one of the, the bar Joe's on weed street that I used to do a theme night every week, uh, their prize for the top team was a party of two hours, all you can drink, uh, but it was draft beer and well drinks for, I think it was 20 or 25 people. And the winning team got that and they loved that. Um, you know, because it was like, boy, two hours, all you can drink. That's like, you know. Like they think, oh my God, that's hundreds of dollars worth of really for the bar. It's like that cost them twenty bucks, you know. But 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 everybody's a winner in that case, right? The team is happy, the bar is happy, you know. You, you don't. Uh, I mean, if you're not a drinker, you're out of luck. But what are you gonna do? Anyway. Well, uh, you know, it sounds like that we've all had all sorts of just completely different and yet such similar experiences with it whether it's been live shows weekly shows special shows online shows uh, everybody's had a little taste of what it's like to do a themed game how to write it how to deal with 
the uber nerds and it's it's kind of uh i think refreshing to hear that no matter how it's done it's all a little bit the same so it's good to be able to share those experiences uh, I know that we're all going to share an experience right now as I give it over to Brittany because it's time for... It's time for this week's Keyword Challenge. So uh, the way the Keyword Challenge works for anyone who's new to the episode or new to the podcast or just needs a reminder because it's been a while since you've listened, uh, a Keyword Challenge is where uh, a listener has submitted a keyword that needs to be used in a trivia question, either in the question part or the answer part. Uh, so uh, the other hosts and I are going to take 10 minutes off mic and we're going to write our best trivia question um, that has been submitted to us. And uh, before I reveal what the submission was, if you have an idea for something you want to hear us write a question about, uh, you can submit that at quadriviapod at gmail.com. Or you can go to quadriviapodcast.com and follow the prompts on the website to submit a keyword. Uh, but this week, our keyword is from both a listener and a host on this show, Jacob Hine, who wants us to write a question about foliage. So our question needs to either include foliage in the question itself or in the answer. And... Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I think this is going to go pretty interestingly. So uh, we'll take 10 minutes off mic and we'll throw it to the porn music. Welcome back, everyone, as we rejoin our Quadrivia Quartet as they quibble about the quandary of foliage, the term submitted by listener Jacob Hine for the keyword challenge. Let's join them now, starting with Jeremy the Loud, as they tackle the keyword foliage. All right. So now I'm just going to give you my question, right? Yeah, go for it. Right in. First uttered in a 2007 episode, who said it and what name has been redacted from the following quote? Women can't have fun if they don't feel safe. For example, redacted, and I have a safe word in case things go too far. Foliage. And if one of us says that word, the other has to stop. So who said it? And who was their partner who has been redacted from the quote? Oh, I, I, I have no idea. If, hmm. Well, let's think about shows that were on in 2007, first of all. Yeah. I mean, I almost, you know, I hate to say things like that. That was 14 years ago. Ew. Um, <laughs> that was not before was. I was born. <laughs> Um, I don't think that was How I Met Your Mother, was it? That's a little far back. Well, so from the way he worded it, since he said redacted, it implies to me that the name of the character who said it might be in the title of the show, maybe? Mm -hmm. I mean, it could just be redacted. Um, yeah. Oh, it's who said, oh, it says who said and what name has been redacted from the following quote. Okay, so it has nothing to do with the show. We don't even need the show. Well, um, I mean, that would help <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Uh, first uttered in a 2007 episode. I mean, we know that he's a fan of Friends, but I don't think that was still going in 2007. Do you think... Uh, it, it, we know he's a fan of The Office. Yeah. And that well, was hmm. maybe... That was going in 2007. 
Yeah. And he's a fan of Gilmore Girls, also going in 2007. So. This doesn't um, feel like anything that somebody from The Office would say. It's, it's uh, like, on the edge of yeah. witty, but it's not like. I mean, it. I. I guess. I could see that being like a Gabe and Aaron thing on The Office, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not. Like. That, you know what? Boy, that does sound exactly like something Gabe would say. Yeah. Um, but it's it's been a while since I've watched. All right. Well, it seems that Aaron yeah, our knows Aaron. this one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not that Aaron. Well, not, not, not Kimmy Schmidt Aaron. No, yeah. not that one. Uh, I seem to recall this just because I think this is, again, kind of really leaning into the whole idea of theme games and the topic of this is I seem to remember that we've done kind of a quotes round a couple times when I've hosted office trivia before and I think if I remember I think this is a Michael Scott quote okay so that would be would that be Holly or Jan then who he's talking about I think it's I think it's Jan okay I'll yeah I mean I'll agree with it but this really doesn't sound like a, a Michael, well, uh, it's like right on the edge. But If it's prison, since... Mike, it definitely could be. <laughs> all right, well, Brittany. about prison, all the damn dementors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, we're, I guess we're tapping in with Michael and Jan being the redacted word. All right, all right. that's our answer. Well, uh, well uh, Gabe didn't make his first appearance on The Office till the 6th season that was a few years after 2007 this was in fact a quote from the office it is michael scott and the woman he is talking about again holly wasn't there quite yet it is jan so wow jan and michael's safe word was foliage (laughs) so as soon as that word by the way came up because i've asked what jan and michael's safe word was uh on the office uh, or when i've done office trivia i was like i know exactly what i'm gonna ask but i wanted to switch it around so i was like well Let's let's ask it in a different way this time. So there you go. I like it. Well, I mean, you know, for Brittany and I, we were a little bit stuck. You know, it sounded sitcom-y. We kind of figured this could be an office question. I think we kind of metagamed it a little yeah. bit because we were in the, uh, you know, the theme rounds kind of a thing. But, I mean, I think that if this were presented in the wild and a general knowledge question, maybe giving the oh, subject yes. of the office would yeah. be better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Having, yeah. But if yeah, this or, were in an office theme game, oh, yeah, 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 this is absolutely fair game and would yeah, probably yeah, yeah, be gotten yeah, yeah. really quickly. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, yeah, if this was, um, if this is a general game, if I want to make it tougher, I might, I, I would, I might not tell you the office, but I would say, in the third season of what show that ran from X year to X year, so you can kind of use that to pinpoint, okay, what shows were on in these years, you know, um, then, but, but, or, you know, if you want to make it a little easier, you just say on the office, who said the following quote and what name is written. And it's, it's fair both ways, but yeah, it definitely, it does not belong as written uh, in a just wild general trivia night, unless you want, 
a very difficult question and or you know you have a lot of fans of the office playing your game considering that michael had and this is one of those uh, questions that i think i had heard before i think he had six lovers on the show you know even if you knew this was a michael scott quote you'd still have to think about which one he said it for or with Mm-hmm. Uh, and then again, Brittany and I thought about it being Gabe. So mm-hmm. I think that this this made it a, a good question that had gettability. Yeah. Uh, but we just happened to be on the wrong side of that. So I think uh, yeah, a, for a me, well-written thing. Yeah, for me, question. I would just say, basically agree with James that in a, um, you know, and agreed that in a wild general knowledge game it needs more penning but it's a fine question for an office thing and for me the only thing that was leading me towards like a Gabe and Aaron type feeling is more of a I didn't watch the office until it was off the air completely so giving me 2007 as an episode pinning doesn't really like in the age of streaming it it doesn't Mm -hmm. super make it pinnable from that perspective because when it's on Netflix for years and years and years you yeah, just, maybe like, you know, it's like. I mean, I, I yeah. If yeah. you say like in a third season, that might help mm-hmm. a little bit more because even when you stream, you still have an idea. Yeah, you still have okay, the season. That didn't happen so. in the first couple seasons, you know. Yeah, but yeah. So I would just say, from like a perspective of someone who didn't watch it until it was on Netflix in its entirety, you know, it's it's maybe that 2007 doesn't super pin it, but it would for people who watched it when it first came out or. Um, you know, yeah, so, uh, but otherwise good question and good job, Aaron, for pulling that. So. All right. Looks like it's my turn to give you a question. So if all of you are ready, here we go. On a season eight episode of the Simpsons, Marge tells Lisa next to spring and winter fall is my absolute favorite season. Just look at all this beautiful foliage. Lisa corrects her. It's not foliage, Mom. It's foliage. Foliage. But Marge insists. That's what I said. Foliage. It doesn't take a blank scientist to pronounce foliage. Fill in the blank to complete Marge's quote, and I need you to be accurate of what Marge said. All right. Well, um... Uh, I mean, I know it would... I would, uh, I mean, I, I know my, a few things I would fill that quote with, but I'm not familiar with the quote. Well, I mean, the, the obvious things are like rocket scientists, you know, it's like the, the seems like the, the obvious answer, but, uh, you know, the other thing is it's not brain surgery, but it's not obviously brain scientists, but her husband works at a nuclear power plant, right? So like. I would say, like, I would probably go nuclear scientist over rocket scientist. Yeah, I mean, my only thought was, like, if you're saying a word wrong, I could see, like, it doesn't take a botany scientist to pronounce foliage. No, that's even better to go with nuclear, because then you can go, like, the George Bush nuclear, you know? Like, like, I like, ooh. I don't know. Now that you've said that, I like nuclear even more, because they could make a joke out of it that way, where she, like, mispronounces nuclear when she says you don't have to be a nuclear giant you know yeah Aaron do uh, you know this one I know this one dead on okay because I love this moment because it's the riffage on 
foliage, foliage, foliage. And she does say it. The, you don't have to be a nu- uh, nuclear. Oh, okay. Scientist. It is. Yeah, nuclear. I didn't even think about that until you mentioned yeah, no, the whole mispronunciation thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm like, that makes nuclear even better because of the. It can be pronounced multiple ways, and you know, people made fun of the way George W. pronounced it. Yeah. Ah, that's a good question. I like it. All right. Well, I'll tell you that back in 1996, a quarter of a century ago, Marge said it doesn't take a nuclear scientist so to pronounce foil. <laughs> wow. Was it even a riff on George Bush? Okay. <laughs> I, I think someone else in the or was it his father game. that did that? I mean, I know w, I know George W. Bush did it. George H. W. could have done it. I'm not yeah. sure. I mean, it's a pretty common word to mispronounce. Yeah. So, uh, but my only my only criticism of that question, James, is not really a criticism. It's a I didn't know this, so I just <laughs> like for me it it's a show I'm not familiar with. So, but even that being said working as a team we were able to get it uh parsed out you know Aaron knew it dead to rights but for me it's like I was able to at least get to something that it probably would just be something funny and like not pronounced or like not something that wouldn't make sense as a normal thing to say like uh yeah and I was totally not even thinking of the pronunciation uh, aspect of it I was just going from the Okay, what kind of scientists are there? And wait, Homer works at a nuclear power plant, so that <laughs> Which makes sense. Which I also didn't know, so that never would have even occurred to me to well, think really that direction. Not, not watched some The Simpsons, have no, you? No, I really have not. So <laughs> like, wow. Well, I wasn't allowed to watch it growing up, and so fair in, enough. Yeah. In 1996, I definitely would not have been allowed to watch it. So all right. Uh, but does anyone else have thoughts on that question? I really like it. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not, I, I haven't watched The Simpsons in any sort of regular way in like 20 plus years, but uh, I certainly appreciate the show and, and uh, enjoy the humor. And uh, I think that that's a, 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 you know, it's a very gettable question, right? Because it's just a type of scientist. Uh, and if you know Homer works at a nuclear power plant, it's kind of an in. The pronunciation thing is another way to get in there. Um, there's a couple of possible, you know, red herring wrong answers, rocket scientists probably being the most prevalent, but I think that's a fine question. Aaron, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I am. I'm a fan of it again, because you can kind of, you can suss it out. Even if you're not a huge Simpsons fan, kind of thinking about, well, scientists, what kind of scientists would, what does this lean into? And just a thought process, the exact same thought process that we went through, I'm sure many teams would go through on a question like that, which is why it's a, which is why it is a good question. It, it prompts the thought process. So I'm a fan of it. I enjoyed it. It's also one of my favorite Simpson moments ever. Well, there you go. All right. Well, now that we're done with that one, I think, Brittany, you're up on deck. All right. Uh, my question while not done around Easter and available to more than just people named Tom, the Japanese practice of momijigari, 
is similar to what informal term for the activity done in autumn where people travel to view and photograph dying modified stem tissue, particularly in northern New England. An organized version is known as a foliage tour or a color tour. Okay. There's a lot of stuff going on here. Um, I want to figure this out. Not done around Easter and available to more than just people named Tom. Similar to what informal term for the activity done in autumn where people travel to view and photograph dying modified stem tissue. So, like, is it like watching the leaves change? Like, well, okay, wait. We haven't used the term foliage. So it's got, oh no, foliage tour. Okay, yeah. Um, it <laughs> seems like it would be again. like, <laughs> it, it seems like it would be watching the leaves change. I don't know if that, uh, um, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are. Well, obviously, uh, per the discussion earlier, I guess, Aaron, you wrote almost a, <laughs> a very similar I wrote almost a. So- so, You'll hear mine in just a minute, but it's yeah, almost yeah. dead on. So, so I am so I guess, withholding my comments. I guess comments you should talk. One. So, James, what do you think? <laughs> what wow. are your thoughts here? I'm, I am trying to pick up on the Easter and Tom. Yeah, and I'm trying to figure out where that comes in. I like don't for- know enough Japanese to, you know, the only thing that I can think of with Japanese and foliage is the cherry blossom uh festival but it's the informal term for when people go around and basically photograph the leaves changing colors i don't know i don't know how else to put it and i'm afraid that the clues aren't coming to me you know what happens in Easter? You yeah. Well, that's eggs. the thing. It's like got... Easter. You have an Easter egg hunt. You dye Easter eggs. Like I'm not understanding. Like it seems like it's very specific that it's while not done around Easter and available to more than just people named Tom. Like those seem. Like, uh, I mean, you don't write that unless you're trying to hint at something. And I want to know what's a... trying to be hinted at. What about a cruise of some kind? But like. I mean, I mean, northern New England in the fall is like the leaves changing color is the big deal. So, like, is it just photographing the leaves? Is it collecting leaves? Is it? But I don't understand why any of that has to do with Easter or Tom. Like, Tom Hanks? Tom, I don't, I like, I really, I, like, I, I, I don't get that. Uh, Tamagotchi? Tom... Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh hold on hold on hold on okay. i think i know um i i thought about those little marshmallow peeps for easter oh peeping tom so what's that called i i guess it has something to do with peeps or peeping is it just yeah. called like is it just called like, like leaf peeping or peeping leaf peeps or <laughs> But like peeping, what does the word peeping mean? Isn't it like to like kind of like look at something illicitly or like that you're not supposed well, to be looking at? Like, well, yeah, but I mean, I, I while that's true, I don't think that it would necessarily have a negative connotation 
with this one. I mean, that's the only thing that I can can go with. So I guess, Aaron, maybe you can do a little bit of a rescue for us here because that's the best thing that I've got. I mean, like, I, I think, yeah, I think Peep, it, Peep makes Easter and Tom make sense, but it doesn't make sense to me for the rest of the question, which is like what the question actually is. I mean, I guess really I always tell people like, well, if they're hinting at you to do something, they're hinting at you for a reason. So trust your instinct and go with it. So, I, yeah, I guess I'd go with the peeping at leaves, I guess. <laughs> peeping at leaves sounds good. Aaron, is that close enough for us? Uh, you said it several times. You just said leaf peeping. That's the name That's of it? the act. Yeah, it's just called leaf peeping. Wow, but, I've never heard of that. So that would specific... peeping at leaves not be considered a correct answer then? Um. You know, I think I would make the judgment call on the night of, depending on what game I was presenting this in. I mean, because technically the acti- the term is leaf peeping, but honestly, I'm usually pretty benevolent unless people are being dicks, so I probably <laughs> would have given it, but... Um... I mean, you listen, you spoon-fed us the clues <laughs> that would be there. It's just the fact that we didn't rub our brain right. cells together hard enough to, <laughs> to right. really get and I the think, answer you know and i think in a case where i really did want the like if i wanted the term specifically i'd probably say two word term um okay. just to kind of pin it to not a peeping at or um anything like that yeah i mean i i like it so like is it like an actual formal term or is it like just like a well, it's the, the I mean, informal term, but okay. um, yeah, the formal well, term you know, is like so foliage like, tour. Yeah, it's oh, a yeah, to what informal term. Yep. But if it's an informal term, then like it seems like leniency. Like, I don't know if I was hosting and it's an informal term and somebody got the gist of what the answer was. Yeah. Even if they said, like I said, leaves, yeah, yeah, like I said, I would probably be inclined to give it to someone for peeping at leaves. Uh, but it would just kind of be a situational thing. Like if I wanted like say it was in a round of answers with two like two word answers basically then i would not give peeping at leaves well okay i mean what if what if you said leaf looking <laughs> well here's the thing i mean i'm looking up the phrase leaf peeping and you know it's got a Wik- wikipedia article uh, apparently oh, yeah. that term has been used in television shows so while it may be informal it seems to have some official feeling to it. I love this line that I'm reading on the <laughs> Wikipedia article. It says, well, no, I don't want to say it because it yeah. might be part of the next. Yeah, it might be part of the Aaron's next question. question if it's it's no, 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 no. Just steal all my thunder here. And I'm so sorry. I'm just going to stop talking. A, just leave me a hot. Right, well, well let's, let's get to Aaron's to question. And then I, I think because the questions are so similar, maybe we should listen to Aaron's question and then. Maybe discuss the the merits of both questions. I don't know. It's up to you guys. And this is why we kind of work as a team, too. Here's my question. The Japanese term momojigari is a very seasonal activity with a wonderful-sounding term for it. However, there is a term for this activity both used in appreciation and derision for those partaking in it, even referenced in shows like The West Wing. What is the loosely rhyming term for these autumnal aficionados with a love for fantastic foliage? All right. So now here's the thing. 
I want to combine your two questions to give the hints that Brittany gave with Easter and Tom and then kind of looking for the answer because I think you've pinned the answer better to whereas you can't really like like for Brittany's question, if I was playing that trivia and and I answered looking at leaves or leaf looking and, and I didn't get credit, I'd be kind of sour about it. Right. Like I think like like I like that demonstrates like that I kind of got the gist of the question, got the answer. But the way Aaron wrote it, I think pins it a little better. But I think I'd never get the answer without the hints that Brittany threw in there. So, like, I want to put them together and make one question. Hey, Aaron, do you want to, like, start co-writing a game together and present it on a <laughs> weekly basis? I guess. I mean, it sounds okay I mean, you know, to me. It seems like you guys would be good at it. <laughs> um, for those who aren't familiar, Aaron co-writes my games with me on Ginny's Cozy Quiz. So we we actually do frequently collaborate on questions and but yeah um i think i know what the answer is to yours aaron Um, (laughs) i would hope so (laughs) i hope so um i think it's a jeepers creepers look at those leaf peepers (laughs) i I agree that's probably what it is i'm gonna i'm gonna make a a, a unanimous agreement right there (laughs) i'm sorry the answer is actually leaf peepers Oh, oh wow, that's much different. Not Jeepers Creepers. That's Where'd you get those leaf different. peepers? <laughs> and sometimes sometimes that's something that we find out is you've got a part that works well with my idea, I've got a part that works well with your idea, and you get that you get that kind of synergy. Which is why which is why the trivia writers co op is a fantastic thing to be a member of. Mm-hmm. Agreed. You know, I, I can't help but take part of your question and think that if you were to take uh, Coolio's song and do something, you know, like, come on, y'all, let's take a ride uh, for some fantastic foliage. Slide, slide, slippy slide. Or something. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that uh, the, the people up in the uh, New England states will more than happily take that for their next uh, advertising campaign for the Leaf Peepers. So that would be... Yeah, we'll we'll you contact Julio as soon as we can and uh, get that going. You know, um, you were absolutely right, though, when you said being able to, to take the best of both parts of the questions, because I, I feel like that was a very tough phrase both of you were trying to write a question about in order to try to pin it. And, you know, like you said, sometimes it, it just takes a, another set of eyes to make it into that perfect kind of question that would work together well. So uh, I think that that's what has happened here, which is absolutely marvelous. So well done to both of you. Well, and I think, uh, I think when this happens, uh, we get voted on as a team when we have very similar questions. It's been a while since that's actually happened on the show, but I think that's sort of what they do. Um, that sounds good to me. But if uh, if we want to figure that out, uh, where can people go vote, James? Well, uh, if you want to vote on your favorite question or team written question, all you have to do is go to quadriviapodcast.com and cast your vote there. And we'll see who had the best foilage question tonight. <laughs> or foliage, foliage yeah. question. Mm. 
I don't know. You presented that in a little bit of a biased way there. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if we're looking at who has the best foilage question. Yeah, you know, only one of us had a foilage question. Yeah. I feel like I need a safe word right now before we move on. <laughs> uh, uh, volcano. And speaking of moving on, I think we've got a game to play here, <laughs> I don't think we? we do. <laughs> yeah. A game? Uh, we get to play a game? Uh, but yeah, before absolutely. we get into that, just a reminder to our listeners that if you do want to give us a word that we can pronounce wrong, uh, turn into a safe word, or write the same question about, uh, you can also submit that on quadriviapodcast.com. Or quadriviabuttface.net. That's, that works, too. Tonight I've been saddled up with the responsibility of presenting a 10-question game to the three of you who will be acting as a team to try to tackle all of these. And what I have done is I have gone through some of my video game questions. I've uh, massaged a few of them. I've even written a couple of just brand new here. They do not all necessarily have to take full video game knowledge. I guess this is what we would call our tangential questions. So I think that these are all going to probably be on the gettable end of things. So I'm just going to start right off with a nice simple one here. Uh, question one, according to urban legend, what country suffered a shortage of 100 yen coins when space invaders hit arcades in 1978? Well, I mean, the word yen is in there. Yeah, the word seemed... yen is. <laughs> if it's not what I'm thinking of when I think of yen, I have no clue. Yeah, so. <laughs> I would. I'm right there with you. Uh, and, and, and of course, Japan is, you know, big in the video game world, right? It's the home of Nintendo and yeah, I mean, it, if it's not Japan, I'm going to just say, I don't like this question. I would say <laughs> if I were in this country, I could, uh, practice a custom called Momijigari. Uh-huh. <laughs> Way to bring it full circle. Well done. <laughs> Yeah, when you're all out of 100 yen coins, go uh, peep some leaves in Japan. You're absolutely correct. All right, next question. One is a dog with a hat. The other is a hyperkinetic naked rabbit thingy. Together, they're the freelance police, the intergalactically famous agents of indiscriminately applied justice. They are now starring in their umpteenth video game, subtitled, This Time It's Virtual. Name this madcap animated duo. Uh, wow. Uh, <laughs> Aaron or Jeremy? You got anything? I, I have like so little. Um, I have nothing. I mean, I mean, I have beyond nothing. Uh, I know of no cartoon that features a dog and a rabbit. Well, uh, I mean, it's a video no game. To... Well, okay, yeah, but uh. I know of no video game duo that is a dog and a rabbit. Um, I, 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 there is, I have nothing that I can contribute that will get us anywhere near an answer on this. I'm guessing it's going to be something called blank and blank. Sure. The way it's written. So yeah. Um, together they're the it's... freelance police. Okay. And there's something that's... with space. And I assume that's why it says a naked rabbit thingy. I'm going to say. Than a... Buster and Hoppy. Buster. Uh, Aaron, did you have any? I have this. I. I'll be honest. I have this one dead to rights because I love the comic book series. 
Oh, so you're just letting us try to reason it out while you're just sitting on the answer. Well, just because, just because I'll admit this plays a little. I play this plays a little. You either know it or you don't. No, I don't think there's any other way to play this. No, is Matt? Yeah, there really, there really isn't, especially with, especially with Sam and Max. Oh. The answers are Sam and and Max. Sam and Max. Sam and Max, freelance police. Yeah, they did have, uh, you know, like you said, a comic book series. They had an animated show, I think, on Fox. And they've had quite a few video games throughout the years. And they are uh, they just released this game called uh, the Sam and Max. This time it's virtual. So, I mean, they've been in the, you know, realm of pop culture somewhat for a, quite a number of years. It just seems that... Uh, they're not at the height of popularity. They're a little more cult. So, I mean, I figure I start you with the softball question, and then I'm going to throw the heater right after that. Yeah, there, there is a the a world of difference in the difficulty level of those two questions. All right. We got a deepest pitch, and then we got the 104 mile an hour right down yeah. the middle. Yeah, I usually don't write... To swing at. I usually don't write my games like that. I usually ease you in a little bit uh, more... <laughs> Before I, I dump this on it's you, a so more foreplay before you yeah. just fuck us with a hard <laughs> <Hey-o>. question. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I, I here's a game uh, game question here that I think is a little bit easier. So we'll move on to number three. See if you can uh, bring yourself back up to the win column. What kind of arrow stomping revolution did Konami release upon Japan in 1998 and North America in 1999? Oh, this one I think I. No. Dead to rights. Oh, you know what? I was thinking it was one that inspired a Fallout Boy song. Um, is it Dance Dance Revolution? Because that's a game. Yep. And you, no, I and mean, you yeah, no, I mean, arrows. you stop on arrows, and I think it is Dance Dance Revolution. Okay. And that's, and that's where the Fallout Boys got their name because when they did Dance Dance Revolution, they would fall out of the Konami, um, Wait, I thought they got their name from The Simpsons. I'm just making oh, stuff up, Jeremy. <laughs> I'm not looking for actual knowledge on how okay. Fallout Boy got Wait. their name. Okay. I'm just like, looking to confuse I, people and mislead I thought, them. I thought Fallout Boy was the sidekick to Radioactive Man. <laughs> foliage, <Yeah>. foliage, foliage, foliage. <laughs> uh, James, Portrayed do you wanna, on screen by Milhouse Van Houten. Oh my God, we're losing control here, aren't we? <laughs> Um, nonetheless, you are correct. It is Dance Dance Revolution. Uh, let's just jump right into question (laughs) four here. Woo! Jaleel White provided the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog in three animated series in the 1990s. What was Jaleel's most famous role, conceived as a one-time guest appearance, but proved popular enough to become a TGIF mainstay? Now he's selling his own strain of weed named after this character. Well, this one I know. All, all I gotta say, James, is did you do that? <laughs> yeah, did I, I did. I, you got me cheese. <laughs> and and I, I just have to make sure. Uh, you said the uh, a strain of marijuana. Yeah. Please tell me it's called weed Urkel. No, it's called purple Urkel. Oh, what is that Urkel? Yep. I believe yeah. I'm almost positive it's called purple Urkel. So but this yeah. is I like that too. This is a Stefan Urkel, right? Yeah, <laughs> Stefan Urkel. That's his second be- uh, oh. b- best known uh, character. 
I did ask the other day. I, I asked. Uh, I had a question that was Quincy was the middle name of what character that was supposed to be a, a one-off character, but when introduced was so popular became a mainstay mainstay on a popular TGIF sitcom, and uh, so it was very similar to this question actually. <laughs> Except I just gave the middle name and you had to give me the uh, the rest of it. Yeah, you all are uh, right on just about all counts there. Uh, from the TV series Family Matters, Steve Urkel is the answer. Uh, and you are right that very recently back on, uh, well, wouldn't you know it, published on April 20th of 2021, Snoop Dogg endorses Steve Urkel actor Jaleel White's Weed Strain, which is called Purple Urkel. So uh, good for him, I guess. <laughs> hey, you know, yeah, you, you, you know. whatever it takes to stay in the limelight. All right, here comes question five. Y'all are doing pretty well now. The arcade version of what game begins with a digitized voice saying, Red 5 standing by. So I'm assuming this is going to be Brittany something you might know. It, it is, to an extent. Um... Because I know I've heard it, and I know I've missed this question before. Because <laughs> I, I know it's I know it's a Star Wars game, but I it's, mean Red it's, Five. I would that's that's yeah. First I mean I, I, I can't remember if they had a game called like Rogue Squadron or something like that. I uh, thought they did. Um, they also is there just one like there's Rogue Squadron, and then is there like just squadrons or anything like that or is there anything similar like rogue squadron sounds very familiar to me i don't know this cold but yeah red five definitely has to be a reference to you know x the the x-wing uh yeah. fighters right wait was there just a game called x-wing oh i think there might have been aaron oh, do you know God. this one dead to rights I... by any chance uh, um i think it's just called star wars wasn't there a vector graphic version of a star wars game like back in the early 80s where you had to fly you were inside of i think you were inside of like an x-wing fighter and you had to fly through yeah. shoot down tie fighters that, that... and then you had to go through the actual through the port on the death star and then shoot into the exhaust port I think you bring up a good point maybe Brittany and i are overthinking this and maybe we should just answer with star wars I uh, am just trying to figure out what vector graphic means. Plus, so. if I'm going to game theory, the little black box that's covering the answer is kind of small. <laughs> well, yeah, but our audience doesn't get the game. <laughs> Meta game theory, me. So. <laughs> yeah. Just don't, a don't judge an answer by its size. Bit, you know? It's not the size that matters of the answer. It's what you do with it and if it's accepted. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Judge fair an enough. answer by its size do not do. <laughs> you know, I will say that if I'm not mistaken, I used this question in a category that was called vector games. And what uh, you were saying, Aaron, is that this was a vector graphics game where basically everything was simply drawn lines. So if you want to go back to one of the first vector games, we're talking about like asteroids 
or Lunar Lander or something like that. This was a color vector game, and it was just called Star Wars or the Star Wars arcade game back in 1983. Now, see, this is where, though, the um actuallys could come out of the woodworks because it's very possible that there are other Star Wars arcade games that begin with that same phrase, maybe as an homage or just because that's, you know, what what's said from the movie. So uh, this is where I want to, you know, go back and maybe take a look, see if uh, I might have some extra research to do. However, if I were to put it under the umbrella of vector games, I think that, that does narrow it down to just being the 1983 game of Star Wars. So, Or, or you could just that. say the arcade version of a game uh, in what, from what franchise or any, you know, I mean, like, oh, yeah, just where, where the answer only needs to be Star Wars and it doesn't matter if there's multiple games. Right. I mean, oh, you know, because... I mean, you know, you couldn't even count just about how many Star Wars games there have to be that exist, arcade, console, whatever. So whatever the case, you know, keeping it simple sometimes is the best way to go. All right. Uh, we are going on to question six. You all are right now four out of five. Pretty good so far. Here we go. Number six. Uh, appearing on the season nine premiere of The Office, what meme of a game used only four keys to control the left and right calves and thighs of their athlete as players attempted to run 100 meters. So I'm not sure about this one, but we are and five science. for five, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron knew Sam and Max. Yeah, we are five for five because Aaron knew the... Yeah. Oh, well, that's uh, true. Yeah, you five did. for five. Yeah, yeah, my apologies. Jeremy and I are four for five. Actually. Um, actually. Okay. Um, you know, Jeremy, <laughs> you're the office fanatic, so. Well, so I'm trying like to think. Like, I know, house. like, there was an there was a a a season premiere where they did like hardcore parkour, but that's not like the meme of a game. Use only four keys to control. I'm not good with memes. Like, I want to say this is like track and field. Like, there was an old Nintendo game, uh, like, from the original NES that was, like, track and field, um, where I think, like, you, you know, uh, yeah, boy, uh, um, okay, you only use four keys to control the left and right calves and thighs of their athletes, so the four keys seems maybe, I don't know if it's relevant or not. I uh, um, I don't know. Did they have a game called like Wazd or well, Swad so or something like that? Where do you think the answer we're looking for here is the name of the game or the name of the meme or are they the same thing? I I'm not really a hundred percent sure. Well, I mean, I just I think the term meme of a game just means it's probably a parody of a real life game, or it's something that's referenced in callbacks on the show. So I kind of wonder, because they do have the Office Olympics occasionally, and I'm wondering if, because, well, season nine, that was, that was the last season, right? Um, yeah. So that would have been. the last season, or was it season, yeah. So season, season nine, nine that would have been season. when yeah. Jim has moved up to Philadelphia. Yeah, so I, the episode is definitely the one where, like, uh, they have, like, clark and like they have the the two new interns and like 
Andy calls them like fart and poop or whatever, fart and plop. And they're like mini Dwight and mini Jim or, uh, and, um, the, uh, so I'm trying to like, I know the beginning of the episode is Andy like talking, like he's like giving them their nicknames, I think at the beginning of the episode. Um, I mean, it could just be parkour. But I think that was uh, in an earlier... That was definitely a season premiere. Right. But I think that was like the season seven premiere. Um, right. But I mean, you know... I don't know. Maybe there's something with marionettes or puppets or something. But Why would you only... So, I guess the only thing is, is like... You seem to only have control over the calves and the thighs, which would imply that the upper body stay upright. Yeah. So, um, Aaron, do you know this one? I've played it. Oh. <laughs> so Aaron's just letting us suffer on these. <laughs> so, so we're just looking for the game then, right? Um, I, I think if you're just looking for the game, I think if you're looking for the game, I think it's called... I think, don't quote me on it, I think it's called Quop. Oh, so like Q-U-O-P, like the letters? Because literally the left thigh and calf and the left and the right thigh and calf are controlled by your left hands and your right hands. Oh, okay. And it's literally yeah, trying to sense. get a you timing down. You do a QA down. and an OP. It's a, right it's a wonder hands. if you've ever seen like the horse running. There's there's a horse iteration. There's a whole bunch of different ones, but if you've ever seen the human one, it's the one where the human looks like he's going to fall over on himself with his leg in his ear, and it's <laughs> the physics of it are. How just do you spell daunting? I'm gonna guess Q W O P. Oh okay, yeah, that would wow. make sense from a perspective of touching my keyboard. So, but I, but I, but I think that's the name of the game. Uh, I'm okay with that as an answer. Quap. Uh, so I think we're locking in with that, James. Uh, yeah, Aaron just hung back and waited for the right moment to flip up his collar and say, "Hey, it's Quap. You're right." <laughs> um, <laughs> it it really just the office thing is barely even worth a mention. I just figured I'd I'd throw that in there. It just uh, Toby was playing it on his computer at the beginning, uh, I think at the beginning of the show or sometime during the show, nonetheless. And yeah, uh, use the Q and the W to control, I believe the left side, like you say, and the O and the P. And it is an absolutely wacky game. The reason I called it a meme of a game is because it was not a game to necessarily take seriously. And there were plenty of memes made about it when it appeared. So that's what you got. Hey, yeah, I, I'm, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't love that question, <laughs> but uh, I'm okay. I with mean, it. I mean, I mean, it's what I mean. It's one of those game theme. I think it's fine. Yeah, that's a. I mean, I it's know. a tough pull, but I mean, clearly, it's something if you've played. Uh, you definitely would remember it to an extent so yeah, I, mean, I just i don't know like that like i mean i i definitely the ninth season is probably one of the seasons i'm least familiar with so but i mean i've watched a lot of the office and i know a lot about like that does not even after you telling me it was toby i'm like going over that episode like now i'm gonna have to re-watch that episode after this and be like 
wait, where is that? It's like, I don't know. It's probably, it's probably like a two second. I couldn't even tell you. I just, but, you know. But so that then I don't like putting it in there because then it's like yeah, you're just putting enough, it yeah. in there because it's like because it's not it's not it's it's not helping you really to get to the answer. It's almost like you're putting it in there to justify asking the question. Like, oh, it was referenced in this popular show. So I don't know. I don't. I'll be honest. It's my least favorite of the of the six questions thus far. All right, hey man, I've got four questions to go. You never yeah. know how low. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, as Tipster says, lower your expectations. Here we go with number seven. It's Pokemon time. What fairy type baby Pokemon believed Misty was its mother after hatching from an egg that Ash found in the episode Attack of the Prehistoric Pokemon? Yeah, I'm of no use on this at all. Aaron, it's all you or Brittany. If you know Pokemon, go for it. Um, yeah, <laughs> Pokemon I got nothing. is not my strong suit. I, I can I can name you like Charizard. I know that's a Pokemon. It's definitely not I can Charizard. Name, yeah, I can name a few. Like, I mean, uh, uh, Mewtwo and... Uh, um, you only have about 700 to go. Keep going. Yeah. List them, list them. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's... There's like Charmander. There is obviously <laughs> Pikachu. Uh, there is uh, oh god. Um, do you do you want us to stop you or do you want to keep going? Because yeah, no, stop me. I I'm I'm just saying stuff and I don't know. Uh, yeah, I I I don't know. And Aaron, you said this isn't something you. No, Pokemon or... is something that I have not. The only Pokemon that I've ever caught was John Cena. So <laughs> okay, um, so this one I just know because this was my childhood was watching Pokemon. Um, so the uh, fairy type wasn't introduced until later generations, and I can't remember what they actually. I think it may have been classified as normal when it was very first premiered, but yeah, they definitely reclassified it later as a fairy type. Pokemon, and it also was the generation that introduced baby Pokemon because you could hatch Togepi from an egg, and then they started letting you hatch other Pokemon from an egg. So, and I think... Um, yeah, I'm not sure where Togepi comes from as a as a, as a language origin, but it's Togepi. I, I'm, I'm good with it, though. I got nothing. Yeah, I am... You know me, you're Pokemans. I do know my Pokemans. Yep. It's all Brittany. All right. Well, uh, if I can fight the lag on my computer here, you said... Could you say it one more time what you think the answer is? Togepi? Now, see, this is where I have Topogi. So uh, you've one of us has the P and the G transposed... I mean, and you know what? Oh my God, I've got it wrong. Oh Lord! I was like, I gotta hide my face. I was like, not to be that person, but it's, <laughs> yeah. it's definitely Togepi. <laughs> no, I figured based on the way you were talking about, you know, it was the first season in the generation where they were hatching from. I was like, shit. <laughs> yeah, when somebody gives you that kind of knowledge, you just got to be like, all right, they seem to yeah. know what they're talking about. Let me. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I was right when it, before they introduced the fairy type in Gen Six. It was qualified as a normal type Pokemon, so, but it's definitely now considered a fairy type because they made that introduction in Gen Six. 
All right, so the eighth question is this. The worst canon storyline screw-up has to be from the Colonial Marines game in this franchise. Corporal Hicks is alive, and Hadley's Hope survived a nuclear blast? Name this movie slash game franchise. Well, first I'd like to correct you, because the worst canon storyline screw-up is obviously the Tory paradox of Saved by the Bell. But aside from that, this may be in there. I do believe, by the way, I know the answer to this. If you guys want to discuss, if you don't know, go ahead. Uh, but I can, I'm pretty sure I know what movie franchise these characters are from. I have no idea. I think I, I think I know this one just because if, Colonial if, uh, Marines is often ranked as one of the worst video games made, if I remember correctly. Worse than E.T.? Uh, it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> E.T. E.T.'s a special kind of bad, though. Um, Br Brittany, if one of the characters mentioned was Ripley, would that help? I think that's right. I'm not 100% uh, positive. I mean, if that was in the question, I, I haven't seen any of those movies, but I would hazard a guess at the Alien franchise. I mean, that's what I Ripley think Hicks and there, Hadley but... are from, so... I also That's, don't, again, I don't. I'm positive that there is a Hicks in the Alien franchise. I'm almost positive there is also a Hadley. So, and plus it is a movie and game franchise. So that's that's where I would I go. didn't know it was a game franchise, so I might not have said is that. Is it inappropriate just of I, us? Go ahead. Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you about this. Um the creators of the game and the movie studio, whoever put it all together, whatever, they said, this game is canon to the storyline is the correct answer. So yes, congratulations, you got it right. Uh, Corporal Hicks was killed. And Hadley's Hope, which was the settlement that the aliens had taken over, uh, they nuked it from space. And so why were they able to go back with Corporal Hicks and see Hadley's Hope is still there? It would just be a giant crater at that point. So beyond the fact that the game itself had its own issues with things like AI and, and other just bugs and whatnot. It just was a horrible endeavor, no matter what. But yeah, yes, but uh, the Tori answer just is aliens. showed up during senior year of high school out of seemingly thin air, was best friends with Zach and Slater, and Kelly and Jesse were nowhere to be found. And then at graduation, Kelly and Jesse were back, and Tori's gone. I'm telling you. And uh, you'll have more questions like those when Jeremy hosts his Safe by the Bell theme <laughs> rounds. <laughs> All right. Uh, two more questions. Let's see if you can uh, ace the rest of these. Number nine. Who is the star restaurateur and waitress in the mobile game series Diner Dash? Ooh. Not to be mistaken for the progressive insurance lady. Oh, all right. Good. Oh, I, I like this. this. Yeah, I think... I was like, I should know this based on the Diner Dash part. And then I'm like, I can't remember her name. And then you gave us that nice progressive insurance lady. And I'm like, oh, yeah, now I got it. Yeah, so. I I knew it from the Diner Dash. But the 
uh, insurance was confirmation for me. Well, you can kiss my grits. I needed the progressive insurance lady. Yeah, it's absolutely flow. Yeah, the the <laughs> the kiss my grits reference from the show Alice. Wow. Uh, yeah, Thank you, by the way, Alice for picking. I was I, I have no idea sassy. by the way how. I, I'm pretty sure Brittany and Aaron might be too young to uh, pick up on that, but thank you for. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you guys picked up on it or not, but yeah. Uh, I didn't, but. Yeah. Who doesn't love a good show with Vic Tayback in it? I mean, come there on. There you go. Mel. You know what? I knew the Pokemon question, and I'm good with that. Hey. <laughs> so. I had we're, no we're clue on that. If we were all playing this individually, I can guarantee you I would be in last place. Uh, James, do you want to bring us home with number 10? Yeah, I'll certainly try. Uh, here we go with number 10. In 2006, what fast food chain offered three advert gaming titles on the Xbox, including Pocket Bike Racer and Big Bumpin'? Okay. Um, I, don't know right. this, I don't know this dead to rights, but I think... The third game must include something about the fast food chain because that's he yeah didn't what I was the third yeah well otherwise why not just give all three yeah. titles because obviously the third, the third one does. must yeah. give it away um, oh, it the third like one Aaron does if the game is cold. if the game is the one that I'm thinking of I mean I well, was <laughs> think of think of okay so think of this is the video game think of one of the most horrifying mascots that has existed for fast food chains <laughs> the in the Burger past King 25 guy. years. And now the put Burger him in King a game where he's no. put him put him in a game where it's basically Burger King guy doing stealth missions. Though I now that you say behind. that I actually vaguely remember reading something about the Burger King guy being in a video game. Um I was gonna it's, say because I was actually initially leading it like Domino's Pizza because I thought like Pike it pocket bike racer they could be delivering pizzas um but see but and Burger i was leaning King, towards mcdonald's just because i was I, thinking it could be like a parody of like a big mac being big bumping but yeah, but like my gut for some reason was burger king i just had no reason to I, have that gut. i feeling. would i would vote against mcdonald's only because i think it is in the mcdonald's bylaws that anything they do the name has to have mick in it and Big Bumpin' and Pocket Bike Racer don't. So I, you know, I would say no. Um, so I, I would have probably leaned more towards Domino's, but now with uh, with your input and Aaron's input, I want to go with Burger King. Yeah. I, I just don't see Domino's doing gaming titles or like any sort of advert gaming so stuff. That's because you're not old enough to remember the Noid. There actually was a Domino's video game no. when I was in high school. Uh yeah, I've avoid heard the, the phrase noid. "avoid the noid," but yeah, I didn't know avoid it was a the noid reference. And they turned it into a video. Well, so the, the noid was a little character created for Domino's that would ruin your pizza if it didn't get to you in thirty minutes or less. And so you had to avoid the noid by ordering Domino's, so you got your pizza in thirty minutes or less. And it was such a popular advertising icon. They made like it, like there was like video games and clothing and all sorts of noid uh, merchandise. But um, that was like 30 years ago, and I'm old. So uh, Burger King. I, there you yeah, go. I think I think Burger King is our answer here. Burger King, because the missing game is called Sneak King. Yes, that's oh, exactly no what Burger I was going to ask to see if one of you would <laughs> be able to come up with that third game. And I was going to call him Burger Spy. 
based on the <laughs> description of the video game, but uh, sneaking is much worse. Yeah, sneaking king. I was going to say, let's be honest, uh, because I get the fuck away from me creepy king mascot really wouldn't have sold too many games. <laughs> Still is yeah. creepy than the king cake baby, though. Yeah. Okay, you got me on that one. All right, fine. Yeah, and and you all hit upon the uh, Domino's Noid. Now, of course, a few new commercials have featured the Noid. He is back. Uh, oh, really? Wow. Yo, Noid uh, being, uh, you know, the game and avoid the Noid being the phrase. And yeah, there was a, it, I can think of a couple of McDonald's games, but the one that I remember that apparently was actually a well-crafted game was called MC Kids or Mick Kids. I'm really not sure how you would pronounce it. It Mick had kids. Yeah, but it it's it had f- flavors of Super Mario Brothers three, and, and it's apparently a pretty well-rounded game. So that's on the original Nintendo Entertainment System. Be probably worth checking out. I'm sure we could probably. Yeah, we'll see. This is sprouting ideas of me with uh, different uh, adver gaming and different tie-ins where products and corporations have had their dirty little fingers in video games. I'm sure I could come up with 10 questions just on that. But uh, we are done with your 10 questions, and I think the three of you aced the entire test, so congratulations. 10 for 10. Aaron went 10 for 10. (laughs) Aaron, yeah, you... Congratulations! uh, S rating completed! (laughs) Very well done. (laughs) Um, We uh, have finished our game so i think that means that's going to be the end of our episode it has been a pleasure speaking with all of you and hope that this has been a beneficial talk to all of our listeners out there so i think that unless you have anything else to say we're ready to do our uh personal plugs uh so shall we just do that or yeah i think uh we're good to wrap up it was great having everyone on and hope people enjoyed this third take on a theme game um if you have topics please suggest them. But in the meantime, Aaron, if people want to know more about you, where they, where can they find you? They can find me on Facebook at trivia smash. They can find me floating around on the web at triviahublive.io, Or you can just find me wallowing in my own misery at any local watering hole. <laughs> Brittany. Um, you can find me on Friday nights at 9.30 Central on twitch.tv slash Ginny Pond. That's G-I-N-N-Y-P-O-N-D, where I host Ginny's Cozy Quiz. And just in general, you can find me in the Liquid Courage Discord. Well, uh, brainbashtrivia.com. You can email me, jeremy at brainbashtrivia.com. Uh, I should really start uh, doing some more streams, uh, be it on Facebook or whatever. But uh, by all means, uh, hopefully you'll find me uh, doing live trivia at a bar here in Atlanta in the next month or so. And there's games in Chicago still going on if you want to play up there. So uh, thanks a lot. This was fun. I I always love uh, talking about trivia. Um, Hopefully I didn't uh, talk too much, but I tend to do that. So I'm sorry if I did. And uh, James, uh, what about you? Yeah. <clears throat> well, if you want to find me out there, you can find me at the Trivia Nerd on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I have a website that's small but mighty at thetrivianerd.com. And if you want to get a hold of me, thetrivianerd at gmail.com would be the email address 
to reach me at. And if you want to reach us here at Quadrivia Podcast, uh, you can get us through email, quadriviapod at gmail.com. We are also on the Twitters and the Facebooks at Quadriviapod. We have many, many website addresses that you can reach us at. However, possibly the most legitimate one is quadriviapodcast.com. If you would like to support us through Patreon, we would be more than happy to have your support. Just find us at patreon.com slash quadrivia, and we have nice tiers and rewards for people that make donations, and anything that can keep us going would be always uh, a wonderful gift from you, and we thank you for it. And like Brittany said, if you have topic suggestions, Hit us up at that quadriviapod at gmail.com if there is something you want to hear us blather on about for a little over an hour, or if you have keyword challenges or anything like that. Uh, just a, a nice note, maybe a recipe for lemon squares, send it off to us. And folks, that's the end of the show. So we always have trouble coming up with ways to do an outro. So if anybody has any good ideas, now's the time to speak up. Stealing Aaron's pun from earlier, I think we just leaked it there. Where do we go? What the heck was that? <laughs> oh, okay. wild Corey uh, has appeared. And disappeared. <laughs> I, did did he come through on clean feed? I don't know. No, he did not. <laughs> so it so listeners might not know and probably didn't hear that we had somebody come into our Discord and kind of invade us. <laughs> you might know him, it's Corey. Uh <laughs> you might not know him. I, I don't want to know him. I, I was know. just like, what is that voice? What are they doing? Yeah. So, so sorry that that <laughs> interrupted your story there, but oh no, no, no I, I just yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs>